Greetings Stay Frosty Parkrunners and a warm welcome to the 26th edition of the Stay Frosty Parkrun podcast. I'm your host, Emu, and I'm going to be here for the, about the next 20 minutes or so to talk about food and nutrition for running, especially those longer runs you might be training for. I'll also be announcing my Star Park Runner of the Week, revealing details of the, my featured park run, celebrating some park run anniversaries and letting you all know how we got on in our own park runs this week. Also, I don't mind admitting that I've surprised myself by keeping this podcast going for six months now. I thought I would run out of topics weeks ago, but ideas keep popping up which I'm happy to research and talk about. As long as that is true, and there are still people out there who are actually listening, and I'll keep recording. If you have any topic which you'd like me to talk about, I'd welcome any suggestions. You can email them to me on stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com, or let me know by dropping me a message on the Stay Frosty Facebook page. Now, on to our topic for today. What you eat can, of course, have an effect on your running performance. This is more noticeable the longer that you run for. Let's start with diet in general as a runner. If you're new to running or have recently started upping your mileage, you might have noticed that your appetite has increased. Whatever your weight, your body will try and keep it at the same level by releasing hormones which make you hungry when you up your mileage or your exercise. If you're trying to lose weight, it can be difficult to resist the temptation to snack to get rid of the hungry feeling. If you find that you are actually feeling hungry all the time, even after meals, it can be good to assess your diet and ask yourself a few questions. So the first one, are you getting enough protein in your diet? Protein is important because it stabilises your blood sugar and helps you feel fuller for longer. Are you eating enough before a run? Running on an empty stomach can increase hunger later in the day. And are you eating often enough? If you're still hungry after your normal three meals a day, you can split the same quantity of food into five portions and have five smaller meals in a day. This will help to stabilise your blood sugar and stave off hunger. You should also make sure that you have healthy snacks available, so if you do need a little something extra, you can do it without going straight for the chocolate or overly sugary snacks. Nuts and bananas and fruit are all good examples of healthier snacks. As I've mentioned in a previous podcast, the food you eat will be stored either as glycogen or fat. Your body then uses these as fuel when you exercise. Your body also breaks down carbohydrates you eat into simple glucose which circulates in the bloodstream. Any excess glucose is stored as glycogen in your muscles and liver. When you run, your body takes glucose from your bloodstream first, and when this level dips too low, it starts to use up the glycogen in your muscles and liver. When you're doing endurance exercise, your body also uses fat for energy, but the fat has to be broken down by your body into fatty acids and other components before it can be used. This means it's less immediately available than glucose or glycogen and is less efficient as a fuel, so any fatty foods you consume are going to be less helpful than carbohydrates. Stored body fat, however, is an excellent source of fuel and although your body still needs to process this in order to use it, you can improve the efficiency of your body processing fats by running regularly. So what exactly should you be eating when you're training for those longer runs? It's likely that you've heard this before, but fruits and vegetables contain vitamins, minerals which are essential for normal body function. Foods like oily fish, green leafy vegetables, nuts and seeds, berries, whole grains and shellfish all have a high nutritional value compared with other, f with other foods. 
and are an excellent way to keep your body in tip-top condition. Some ultra-runners actually like to stick with whole foods. A whole food is any food that has been um, unprocessed, so anything that's not in a packet, any anything that's not a ready meal, any raw vegetables, anything like that, that's all whole foods. Staples in these ultra-runners diets include spinach, sweet potatoes, apples, avocado, nuts, yoghurt, different grains, black beans, brown rice and fresh raw vegetables as snacks. But they also mention that it's sometimes good to listen to your cravings, especially after a long run or an intense training session, when your body is more likely to crave salt and or fatty foods. The more you run, the more you need to fuel your body. If you're training to run marathon or ultramarathon type distances, then you'll need to up your calorie intake. In a blog article on Strava, one ultra runner has a breakfast before she goes on her morning run, a second breakfast after, a mid-morning snack, lunch, afternoon snack, dinner and then another snack in the evening. What is particularly interesting about her diet is the number of carbohydrates she consumes. Her daily diet includes bread, nuts, seeds, sweet potato, peanut butter, vegetables and fruit, grains, lentils and eggs. For a quick meal, she likes a stir-fry, with whatever ingredients grab her, plus an avocado on top, which is a nice, healthy, quick meal to whip up when you're pushed for time. I will, of course, pop all these links on my Facebook page, like I normally do, for you to read later on, as there's uh, more in each article than I'm able to cover in this podcast. The emphasis from these ultra-runners, though, is to keep it simple. Experiment with what you eat to find out what works during your training, then make sure you have an easy meal you can whip up quickly which involves those ingredients. This will mean that you're less tempted to go for the ready meals or the more processed foods. I'd like to mention here that there are lots of articles on nutrition and running, but I tend to get put off by articles which start with absolutes. A Map My Run blog article starts with an introduction which implies that if you're fairly new to running, maybe you've just done your first 5k and enjoyed it, then you'll now want to go for the half marathon. I know it's just a way to introduce this article which does actually have some very good nutrition tips for runners, but I don't like the assumption that you have to jump from 5k to half marathon, or that's what everybody is going to want to do, without running some in-between distances first. The second introductory paragraph states that it's important to formulate a nutrition plan before tackling your new training plan. Again, I would argue against this. If you're currently if you currently have a diet which consists of ready meals and junk food, it's going to be off-putting if you think you have to throw your old diet out the window completely and start over afresh. Instead, I would say, probably this is just because how, how I have done things generally, although I've never been one to eat ready meals or uh, fast food every day, but it's better to adapt your diet to suit your needs as you increase your mileage. For example, if you eat fast food for lunch every day, maybe you could try switching it for a sandwich or a salad instead, at least on half of your working days. Ideally, a homemade sandwich, but a shop-bought one will still be healthier than fast food. Look for things like brown bread, less mayonnaise or sauces, and a lower fat content. If you're looking to boost your carbohydrate intake, then things like pasta salads or brown rice dishes are a good choice. By making swaps of things which you know are unhealthy, you won't feel like you have to change everything in one go, and it will feel a bit less overwhelming. You could aim to change a couple of unhealthy meals for in, in, in each week, of your training plan and then time them so that you're eating the right kinds of things just before your longer runs. Although starting off a touch questionably, this blog, as I said, does have some good advice for fueling immediately before a long run, especially if you run in the morning as your body will have been fasting all night. 
If you have 30 minutes before you head out, you could have a piece of toast with jam or a handful of pretzels or 8 ounces, about 230 millilitres of a sports drink, just to get some glucose into your bloodstream. If you have closer to 1-2 to two hours before you run, you could have a turkey sandwich and a banana, or a yoghurt, granola and apple, or a slice of avocado toast and a hard-boiled egg, not all of the above. Before a run, you should avoid foods which are high in fibre, as this is tougher for your body to digest. If you can, avoid high fibre foods 12 hours before a long run, examples of which are leafy greens, vegetables like broccoli or cabbage, beans, high fibre bars and cereals. It's also a good idea to avoid anything which you know is likely to upset your stomach. These are just a few ideas, and if you have some recipes or suggestions which you have found really good for your training, please share them with me on my Stay Frosty Facebook page. I'd love to be able to share some ideas on this, as I'm only just starting to experiment myself with different foods for training. Now, I've said a lot about food, but I hope that it also goes without saying that you need to keep properly hydrated. The body can get water from some foods, but it's important to make sure you don't start a long run dehydrated and make sure that you also top up with water or a sports drink as you go along. This actually leads quite nicely into the section on fueling and hydrating during your longer runs. Advice differs a little as to how long or far you should be running before you need to eat something on the run, but the range is if you're running between 45 minutes to an hour or more, or more than about 6 miles, then you should probably consider carrying some fuel for your run as well as some water. Less than 45 minutes and you should maybe just consider carrying some water. Runner's World says that by the time you're hungry or you've hit the wall, it's very difficult to recover, so you need to refuel before you actually get to the point where you're hungry. It's the same for water. If you know you're doing a long run, you need to drink it to anticipate what your body's needs for hydration are going to be, so you need to be drinking it before you actually become thirsty. The article goes on to recommend that you start fueling on the run before you get to the 30 minutes of running mark, and then afterwards a small amount, maybe about every 15 minutes or so. It's best to start with too little food and build it up, as a lot of runners find that eating too much on the run can also upset your stomach. It's easy to lose track of time on the run, so it's a good idea to set an alarm to sound on your watch or whatever device you have, so that you know when you should be eating and drinking. By having a little water immediately after your food, it will also help your body to digest it and get it into the bloodstream where it's needed. Because every runner is different, this is just intended as a starting point. From here, you can slowly tweak your fueling plan until you find what works best for you. You can vary the timings, the quantity and the types of foods and the hydrating fluids that you're using. In terms of what you should be eating, it has to be something that you can carry on your person, something which can be eaten on the run without too much hassle. Recommendations include sports gels, you can eat half a packet or less at refuelling point. Chews and blocks are also a good option as these can be easily divided into smaller portions. And if you want to make your own food, you can try a sandwich with jam or nut butter, like peanut butter or something like that. I've heard some people mention wraps with beans, peanut butter or similar contents. Bananas are also a recommendation, although I'd imagine, I've not tried it myself so I can't say, but I'd imagine this works better if the banana is cut into pieces and wrapped in a sandwich bag or similar, and even then it might get a little mushy if you're on the run. Make a note of when you refuelled and what you ate or drank during your training runs. After your run, you need to ask yourself, how did my body feel on this run? How was my energy throughout this run? And did I notice anything positive or negative on this run 
that was different from my usual run. Overall, did I enjoy, enjoy this run more than usual? How did my stomach feel on this run? And if you can answer all these questions, then you can build up a picture which will help you to progress with your fueling plan and tweak it a little bit at a time to make sure you've got what works best for you. A bad training run is not a write-off as you've discovered something which doesn't work for you. As they say in science, negative results are still results. So if you're going for a long training run and, for example, you find that um, you've got a bit of a stitch because you feel like you've eaten too much, then you can tweak the amounts slightly. If you find that tweaking the amounts doesn't help, it might be whatever you're actually eating. So you can maybe change, substitute it for something different and eat the same amount and see if that helps. And now I'm going to wrap that up for today. Moving on, it gives me great pleasure to introduce this week Nikki Riley as my star park runner. Nikki has done a total of 17 park runs, three of which have been at South Norwood. Today she beat her last PB by 1 minute and 50 seconds and finished in a time of 33 minutes and 10 seconds. That's a fantastic improvement, Nikki, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you can do next time. If you know someone who has achieved a new PB, started park running, or reached a milestone at park run, and you'd like to nominate them for my Star Park Runner of the Week, just let me know. You can email me on stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com or message me via the Stay Frosty Facebook page. I'd love to hear your stories and your nominations. Now, this week's featured park run takes us to a place we want to try in the not-too-distant future to obtain our letter T for our park run alphabet, and that one is Tooting Common Park Run in Wandsworth. This park run is located in Tooting Common and run around the lake in three anti-clockwise triangular-shaped laps. To get there, you can walk from Tooting Beck Station, Ballam Station, Streatham Station or Streatham Hill Station, all of which are about a mile away. Buses which run past the common are the 249, the 315, the 319 and the G1. The start and finish are on the path between Dr Johnson Avenue and Tootingbeck Common Cafe, and the common can be accessed from all directions. The course is flat and run on a mixture of tarmac and trail paths, which can get a little muddy after it's been wet or rainy. There are bicycle racks at Tootingbeck Common Cafe and public toilets are available and they're situated at the Tootingbeck Track, which is located immediately south of Dr Johnson Avenue. Recent volunteer numbers have ranged from about 30 to around 50 and runner numbers are high at around 600 to 800 so far this year. The largest number was 953 park runners on the 5th of January this year and the lowest was 107 at the 49th event, which was on the 1st of January in 2017. So far, there have been 157 events at Tooting Common, and the start date was on the 30th of January in 2016. Jay and I are really looking forward to trying this one, although we're not expecting PB times given the high number of participants, and the fact that due to narrow sections of the course, buggies are actually not allowed at this park run, which means that there might be some bottlenecks, especially on the first lap before everyone has spread out a little bit. And that
that noise means it's time to celebrate some parkrun anniversaries. First up this week is Rickmansworth Parkrun, who will be celebrating their second anniversary, having started on the 4th of March in 2017. Celebrating a third anniversary will be Elgin Parkrun, who started on the 5th of March in 2016. Cassiobury Parkrun will be celebrating their fourth anniversary, having started on the 28th of February in 2015. It's a fifth anniversary for both Great Cornard Parkrun and Pomfrey Hill Parkrun, who started on the 1st of March in 2014. Delamere will be celebrating their sixth anniversary, having started on the 2nd of March in 2013. And Worsley Woods Parkrun will be celebrating their seventh anniversary after starting on the 3rd of March in 2012. Lastly for this week, Greenwich Parkrun and Swindon Parkrun are both celebrating their ninth anniversaries. They started with their first event on the 6th of March in 2010. Congratulations, one and all. Finally for this week, it's on to our park runs. Nikki and Dylan both ran at Barking this week, and Jay and I both ran at South Norwood this week. It was very misty at 9am this morning, which was very picturesque to run, but at South Norwood it did make the stony parts of the course rather slippery underfoot. Nikki completed the barking course in exactly 24 minutes, which was brilliant considering she has had a stinking cold this week. Dylan ran round in a fab time of 29 minutes and 39 seconds, keeping his record of his times under 30 minutes. Jay has singled out another park runner to follow and finished one second behind him at South Norwood in a time of 27 minutes and 34 seconds. And I managed to get round in a time of 26 minutes and 10 seconds. That means it's new PBs for both of us at South Norwood this week. I feel like the training that I've been doing might be paying off as today the effort felt about the same but I have managed to reduce my time by over 10 seconds so I was quite pleased with that. Whilst I'm on that subject, I have been very good this week with my training, but maybe not so great with the snacking as my appetite has increased a little and I've probably been eating all the wrong things. I completed the whole week of training days and even did a little core workout on Thursday, which definitely showed me that I need to improve my lower back and core muscle strength. As always, if you'd like to get in touch, I'd love to hear some of your parkrun stories. You can email me on stayfrostyparkrun at gmail.com or leave me a message on the Stay Frosty Parkrun Facebook page. And that about wraps things up for this week. I hope you've all had great parkruns and maybe got some new PBs this week as well. And I hope any training that you're doing is going well. Stay Frosty Parkrunners and I'll see you all next week. Yeah.